incredible passage of scripture, Luke chapter 1, tells the story in much detail of uh, the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth through the means of a virgin named Mary. And, of course, her cousin Elizabeth and Elizabeth's husband, Zachariah, who gave birth at a similar time, just a little bit before Jesus was born, to a child named John who would be the forerunner of Jesus Christ. And uh, we see here in this passage that uh, an angel beforehand came with a good, a good report or good news to Zachariah regarding his wife who was advanced in age, Elizabeth, that she was going to have a child. And then the angel appeared to Mary. I want you to just read a few verses here. Let's look at uh, uh, verse number 13. This is when the angel appeared to Zacharias. It says, The angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. Thou shalt call his name John. Thou shalt have joy and gladness. Many shall rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. Shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Verse 18, we'll jump forward. It says, And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby or how in the world shall I know this? How can, why can this happen to me? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and am sent to speak these unto thee, and to show these, uh, thee these glad tidings. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not be able to speak. Until the day that these things be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. Then jump to verse 30. The angel appears to Mary, says to her, Fear not, Mary, thou art, hast found favor with God. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. Shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. Of his kingdom there shall be no end. Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How is this going to happen? The angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost. Everybody say, The Holy Ghost. That's the answer. When we don't know how it's going to happen, the answer is the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and, shall, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And... Uh, then verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And then we skip forward a little bit when the baby was born to Elizabeth and Zacharias. Verse 59, And it came to pass that on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child. And they called him Zacharias, Zacharias after the name of his father. His mother answered and said, Not so. But he shall be called John. And he said unto her, There is none of thy kindred that is named by this name. And they made signs to his father how he would have him called. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, saying, His name is John. And they marveled all, and his mouth was opened immediately, and his tongue loosed. And he spake and praised God, and fear came on all them that dwelt round about them. These things were noised abroad throughout the hill country of Judea. Zechariah 67 says, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He goes on prophesying and giving glory to God. I want to speak for a few moments today on this subject, the power of agreement. The power of of agreement when the word came to Zacharias he had a hard time agreeing because he didn't believe he was struck dumb when the word came to Mary she said how's it going to happen the Lord says the Holy Ghost she says be it unto me in other words go for it I agree to this then when Zacharias finally came in line with the word of God said his name is John then his tongue was loosed and he was able to prophesy again and the underlying principle here, the underlying reality, is that the greatest thing that ever happened was about to happen through this little humble family. The Christ child was going to be born. Victory was going to come to the earth. So I want to talk about the power of agreement. Jesus, we thank you today.
for the anointing of your spirit and the power of blessing, Lord God, that comes in knowing you and obeying you and being submitted and following after you. We pray today in your precious name, Jesus, that your will would be done and that your glory would be accomplished. And we promise to give you praise for everything that happens in this place in hearts today, Lord God, and pour out your spirit on all flesh, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. If you're thankful for what God's done, clap your hands while you're seated. Give praise to the Lord. The power of agreement. Whenever you're talking about something that is meaningful to you and you recognize through body language or through words spoken that that person agrees with you, it brings fresh oxygen into your system because you realize that someone understands you. Someone gets where you're coming from. Not only do they understand you, but they understand your intent and your motives and your, your purpose and they agree with you. Have you ever met anybody who is cranky and contentious and tries to find a way not to agree with whatever's being said? Anybody met someone like that? They're always looking for an opportunity. You know what we call those kind of people? We call them disagreeable. They're a disagreeable person. And there are some people that disagree for the sake of disagreement. They, uh, whatever is being said, whatever is being talked about, they want to find fault with it and disagree. But the Bible lets us know that when we dwell together in unity, that there is power. When there is agreement, good things happen. When more than one person agrees together with other people in order to accomplish something or for a specific purpose, whenever there is agreement, you can be guaranteed that there will be progress, that there will be activity that there will be things that will be accomplished. And sadly enough, people who are disagreeable never really get to be a part of something great because in order for something to move forward, there has to be agreement. So by always disagreeing, you pretty much guarantee that you can't be a part of a larger purpose of something that's going to accomplish greatness. They, in essence, through their disagreeability, disqualify themselves from being a part of something that is great. Genesis chapter 11 in verse number 6, this is when the uh, people decided that they wanted to build a tower so that they could not be destroyed by a flood anymore. Look at what the Lord says in verse 6. The Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. I want you to notice what this verse is saying. If the people are united... If the people are together, if the people are one in purpose, then nothing is impossible for them. Whatever they imagine to do, they will be able to accomplish if there is oneness and unity. How many believe the Bible? So there are great things that are accomplishable when there is agreement. In the physical realm, we discover that when people work together, when people agree together, there are great things that happen because unity produces shared values and shared purpose. And when two or three agree together on values and when two or three agree together on a shared purpose, great things can begin to be accomplished. And you may have values and you may have purpose on your own, but you're limited in what you can do. But two or three get together and great Great things can happen. Amen. The Bible says if you walk alone and you fall in a ditch, you're in trouble. But if somebody walks with you, then that person can help you. And when you're united together in values and purpose, great things can happen. Somebody say praise the Lord. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 10, the apostle Paul says this, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. I want you to notice that the Apostle Paul, in writing this letter to this church in Corinth, says, I beseech you. That word means I am begging you. I am on my knees 
requesting that you all speak the same thing. You guys can do whatever you want to. You have that power. But I'm begging you to be with one judgment, speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Uh, The apostle was speaking to this local church saying, in essence, that if you guys can get on the same page, if you guys can get together, if you guys can agree on the same things, then there is great things that can be accomplished. See, I want you to understand that the enemy's strategy is to get different things being spoken and a variety of perspectives and a variety of opinions being bantied about. And through this division and through this variety of things being spoken, then God's purpose can be stymied and can be slowed and can uh, drag to a halt because there is power in unity and there is power in agreement. Amen. Praise the Lord. And one thing that I've discovered from the Word of God is that unity produces and protects alignment. Everybody say alignment. When your car gets out of alignment, it doesn't run smoothly. In fact, it can destroy your tires. It could even, if it gets bad enough, bring about an accident. But when things are aligned, things run and flow smoothly. And when everyone's on the same page and when there is the same judgment and when we as a church are together in lockstep in our belief system, in our values, then great things can be accomplished. However, whenever there is diversity of opinions being spoken and diversity of values being presented and portrayed, it brings about confusion, particularly to new members and new people that are seeking to be discipled in the kingdom of God. So it's important as a church that there be agreement because if we agree together, if we follow together in the same mind and in the same judgment, nothing shall be impossible to the kingdom of God, to the church of the living God. Let me talk about alignment right now. Psalms chapter 133, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to to dwell together in unity. When there is unity of mind, unity of purpose, unity of values, it's good and it's pleasant. Verse 2, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commandeth the blessing, even life forevermore. There's something here in this, as you read this, there is a connection between unity and downward flow of blessing. Are you guys with me? That's what we just read. It's like the oil that flows from the head to the beard down to the skirt of the garments, or like the dew that flows, descends on the mountain and flows down the mountain of Zion. The Lord commands the blessing. There is a flow of blessing and a flow of anointing and a flow of favor that happens by the result of unity, because with unity there is alignment. Amen. Now, please understand this. There is a necessary uh, essentiality in a local church for headship. Uh, Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he puts shepherds in place. And in order for the church to be unified, in order for the church to move forward with power and anointing, there has to be alignment, which means we have to submit and surrender to divine headship. Because when we come under divine headship, which is under divine authority, through the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, through the direction of God, there is a flow of anointing that comes down. But if we're out of alignment and out from under the authority of uh, 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 God's... uh, um, Authority that he puts in place, as the Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you, you find yourself out of the flow of God's anointing. This is a principle of Scripture. It flows downward. And so when we are joined together in the same mind and when we as a church have the same set of values and when we believe together in submission to the Word of God, in submission to the shepherd or the spiritual leader in the house of God, then there is an anointing that happens and the anointing destroys every yoke of the enemy and the anointing flows from the head right down to the bottom of the garments and there's nothing that misses out on the anointing when we surrender and when we submit ourselves to godly authority and godly leadership in the local body of Christ. This is the way God set it up and this is the way God's anointing flows. And I know from time to time there is diversity of opinion on a variety of things and uh, we don't become homogenized to the degree that nobody has an opinion. 
But the reality is, in order for us to move forward as a body of Christ, there has to be submission to the spiritual authority that God has put in place that is submitted to the Word of God. Not just randomly uh, executing authority, but executing authority under the auspices and authority of the Word of God. And when we surrender and submit to that, there's nothing that can stop the church. But when everybody has their own agenda and their own idea about the way things ought to be and the direction the church ought to go and the values the church ought to have, then we get caught in, in a little bit of a funk, a kind of a, uh, just frozen, if you would, just basically doggy paddling, not moving forward, no progress, no forward motion. But when we get together, amen, when we get together and we speak the same thing, nothing can stop the church. And, and one thing that I've is everybody has an opinion, right? And uh, everybody's got their own ideas about the way things ought to be. But when we learn how to agree, despite our opinions, then what happens is, is it enables the church to move forward with power. God gives us great authority and strength, and nothing can stop the church. So what I've found, you know, as a pastor, I've been a pastor for eight years, and I've had people that left our church, and the reason they left our church is that our church is too committed to separation from the world. And they say, well, this church is too much focused on holiness and separation from the world, and I want to go to a different church that doesn't focus on the distinctions, the biblical distinctions of separation from the world. We've had people leave like that. We've had other people leave the church, and they said that this church doesn't have enough separation from the world that we are in, in in their opinion a worldly church because there's certain ideas that they have that uh, the leadership of the church under the authority of scripture doesn't ascribe to the reality is you're not going to please everybody and at a certain point, there has to be, this is the values of our church, and we believe this brings God's favor, this brings God's blessings on us as a church, and this is the way that we're going to go, and we're not going to weave back and forth from the right to the left. We're going to be a church that's separated, but we're going to be a church that has a heart of compassion and love that embraces everybody regardless of where they come from. And watch them grow as disciples, everybody at different levels of discipleship, but with the same goal and the same purpose and the same values in mind, then we can work together, amen? And then we can move forward, and then God's purpose can be accomplished in the midst, amen? And so with submission, guess when submission is practiced? Submission is practiced when you disagree. Submission is not practiced until you disagree. You say, well, I, uh, I practice submission until I disagree with something. Then I go somewhere else and practice. Well, you haven't practiced submission. You don't practice submission until you respect and submit to the, God's authority in your life through the Word of God, regardless of disagreement. And then you can say, can you help me with this? I want you to help me understand. And there's an opportunity for that. And God can help you. Or the man of God can help you. But I promise you, if you're going to operate with success in a body, you're going to have opportunities to disagree. And every opportunity you have to disagree is an opportunity to manifest submission in your life. It happens at a local church. It happens at the greater corporate church. Because I personally, I'm a part of a body of believers, of pastors, called the Southern California District. Certain things are done. Certain decisions are made that I don't necessarily agree with. And I could be upset about it. I could raise a stink about it. I could say, you know, my way is the right way and you guys don't understand what you're doing. But the reality is I understand. What, what's that going to do? That's not going to exalt me and it's not going to help the body. What it's going to do is create confusion and cause a mess and slow what God's trying to do. So for the sake of the greater body, I keep my mouth shut. Amen. And I support and I believe in the people that God has put as leaders. And if they correct me, I receive and accept correction. You know why? Because there's power in agreement. And when we find alignment, understanding God's authority, there's great power there. And so uh, uh, when you operate and say, operate within the framework of the body of Christ and say, well, that, I didn't necessarily think that was a great idea, but I'm supporting it anyway. And, and I've seen from time to time people, if they don't like the idea, then they just boycott. 
Well, that doesn't make sense. That's not operating in unity as the body of Christ. But when we work together and we say, guess what? We have the same values. We have the same values. We have the same purpose. We want to see revival. We want to live a life that's righteous before God. And we want to see lives changed. Amen? And you may not do things the way that I like. And I may not do things the way that you like. But we're going to work together as the body of Christ because we recognize that there's power and agreement. Can I get an amen? So agreement maintains the flow of the anointing. Disagreement misaligns the body and stops the flow of God's anointing. So there is a law of nature, if you would, that we see in the Word of God. I'm thirsty. This law of nature is the unstoppable power that is in Agreement, And so, therefore, Satan's strategy becomes let's divide the unity. Let's create confusion. Let's give a lack of clarity for new believers. Notice in Luke chapter 1, the passage that we read in your hearing, it was God who was looking for someone to agree with him. And God had a word, and God's word was such that if you will agree with me, then good things are going to happen. And I want to share with you, we've talked about agreement within the body, but agreement becomes even more powerful when you put God into the equation. Agreement becomes just like they were agreed together at the Tower of Babel. They were agreed together, but God was not in the equation. But there was power there. But you put God into the equation in the area of agreement, and there is limitless power that's available. Hold up your Bible if you have it. Let me share with you something about this book right here. This book, if I could kind of like sum it up to one phrase, all, everything from beginning to end of the Bible. I'm reading the Bible through this year, and this is the message that I read every single day in my Bible reading. This whole book is an enormous proof text for this pr- principle. The principle is when you agree with God, it ensures blessing. When you disagree with God, it produces problems and stress. It's what the Bible's about. Why all these stories about all these kings? Some of you are reading through the stories of the kings right now. This king did that which was right in the sight of God. This king did that which was evil in the sight of God. And then the Bible commences to share with you what the agreement with God's principles produced in terms of positive things for the kingdom and for the king himself. Then you can read about all the negative things that the next king who come along who decided that he was going to practice idolatry next to exclusive Jehovah worship and the curses or the problems or the issues or the difficulties that came into the life of the person who decided he did not want to fully agree with God. So the whole Bible from beginning to end, from the story of Adam and Eve all the way to Revelation, is about that when you agree with God, there's blessings in your life. But when you choose not to agree with God, when you choose not to walk in agreement with Him... It produces problems and issues and stress and struggle. Because you know why? Because God's in charge. He's ultimately all-powerful. And as someone said one time, you can't fight City Hall. You can't fight City Hall because they have the final say. Jesus uh, said it this way in his appearance supernatural appearance to Saul who would become Paul the apostle he said it's hard for you to kick against the pricks God's in charge so if you agree with him good things are going to happen if you disagree with him you're going to be at odds with God and God's blessing and favor won't be in your you may pleasure you may experience pleasure for a season and you may be allowed obviously to go your own direction but the reality is you're going to have issues and you're going to have problems you'll find this in your life if you do it your way you're on your own but if you agree with God then God's on your side I want to have God with me not God apart from me or even worse God against me I want to have God with me and the way that I do that is by agreeing with him I can't be disagreeable against God and expect for God's favor and blessing to be with me Amos 3.3 says this, Can two walk together except they be agreed? And this is basically saying that if two people are in a state of disagreement, that they can't have unity and walk together. But think about with this, this with me right now in terms of God. If I fail to agree with God, then I'm walking alone. 
That's why it's so important for me to walk in the Spirit and surrender my life to the Word of God. Because if my life isn't surrendered to the Word of God, and if I haven't learned to walk in the Spirit, then I walk alone. And if you want to be used of God, it's not going to happen walking alone. If you want God's anointing and favor on your life, it doesn't happen walking alone. You've got to agree with God. You've got to agree with Him in terms of your life. You've got to agree with Him in terms of your values. You've got to agree with Him in terms of your priorities. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. God will not allow himself to be in your life at any other place than first place. The first, the first commandment, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt pray, thou shalt worship the Lord with all thy heart, love the Lord with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's everything. So if I put God second place in my life and my family is first, or if I put God second place in my life and my job is first. Or if I put God second place in my life and my career is first. Or if I put God third place in my life and I sit there and I, and I convince myself or justify that I'm okay because at least I'm coming to church and this other person doesn't even attend church. You know what we're doing? It's, it's, it's foolishness because the Bible says don't compare yourselves amongst yourselves. What, what is the priority? The, pri- the priority or the measuring stick, if you would, is the Word of God. And the Word of God says, love the Lord with all your heart, heart mind, and soul, and strength. So it's got to be 100%. You've got to be sold out. And when you do that, you walk in agreement with God's Word. But when I have a different set of a, a, a priorities, I'm not in agreement with God's Word anymore. And the sad fact is, two can't walk together except they're agreed. And God won't walk with me if I walk according to my own values and my own priorities and my own belief system. I have to surrender to the Word of God as the authority and headship in my life to be able to walk with God. Oh, thank God. Hallelujah. Thank God for His values and His priority and His purpose. Because I want to walk with God. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So this agreement with God guarantees my sonship and my position before Him and with Him. Amen? His protection, His blessing, His favor. But if I get out of agreement with God, then I don't have these guarantees. Right? And and let me just share with... with, uh, There are some people that know all the God speak. They know how to say all the right things and they'll even... Speak a word of faith or speak a word of hope for somebody. But there's no power and anointing and fire behind it because their life is not in agreement with the Word of God. But you bring your life into agreement with the Word of God and God's favor and anointing is there with you. It's a principle. Can two walk together except they be agreed? The answer is obviously no, it doesn't work. So this principle is something that God's not going to violate. He's not going to walk in sync with you if I'm not walking in agreement with the Word of God. If you believe the Word, say amen. Amen. So we've got to agree with the Word of God. And the way that we get in agreement with Him is through prayer. Amen? Hallelujah. So if you're not praying, then you're probably going to be drifting away. Pretty soon you're not going to be walking with Him. Pretty soon your lifestyle and your values are going to be contradictory to those that the Word of God has established. Praise God. Amen. It's fixing to get better. Everybody say, it's fixing to get better. Turn to your neighbor say, it's fixing to get better. It's fitting to get better. It's fitting to get better. It's fitting to get better because this Word is full of promises, not just commandments. Praise God. When we surrender our life to the commandments of God, walk in sync with His commandments, His favor is upon it. But there's also blessings in this Word that we have to learn either to agree or to disagree with. And God can speak a blessing into your life, and in order for it to come about, you've got to agree with it. The promises of God are appropriated in your life, not just because they're written, but because they're written and you agree. You can have lots of promises in the Word and never take advantage of them, never operate within the blessing of the promises until you learn to agree with the promises of God because I'm here to tell you today that there is power in agreement and what God is looking for. He's not looking for somebody with talent. He's not looking for somebody with lots of brain power. He doesn't care. All He's looking for is somebody that will agree. And if you'll agree with Him, great things can happen because there's power in agreement. Hallelujah. The promises of God are appropriated through agreement. This word we call faith. There are times when God gives us a rhema word. 
That means a word that's not specifically from the Bible itself, but the word rhema means an utterance or something that's spoken or said. A rhema word. A rhema word is when God gives us a word. God speaks to it, maybe in prayer, maybe through a godly anointed person. A word that says God's going to bless you. God's going to save your child. God's going to turn the situation around for his glory. This is a word from God for you. But it is a word you have to agree with. Because the word can come, but without agreement, there's no power. There's no promise. It's not going to unfold in your life until you learn that God's word is looking for somebody that will agree with it. And if you'll agree with God's word, then there are promises that can unfold and cascade into your life. If you'll operate within agreement with God's word because there is power in agreement. God's word is full of promises, promises of blessing, promises of favor, promises of his anointing, promises that he would use you, promises that you could lay hands on sick people and they would recover, promises that he would never leave you nor forsake you, but that he'd be with you every step of the way, promises, hallelujah, that he'll bless your bank book, that he'll take care of your issues, that he'll lift up your head, amen, hallelujah, there are promises in the word of God, but it's up to us to agree. Turn to your Bibles, in your Bibles, to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. This is the New Testament, but it's telling us again the story of what happened in the wilderness wandering. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they were supposed to go into the promised land immediately. But instead, they wound up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And those who came out of Egypt never got to step into the promised land because of their unbelief. It was their children that finally got to possess the promised land. But notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse number 12. It says, take heed. In other words, be careful, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Notice here that unbelief causes you to depart. Why? Because unbelief is disagreement. You guys with me? Can two walk together except they be agreed? Unbelief is disagreeing, and so there cannot be this walking together with God if an evil heart of unbelief comes in amongst us. See, I'm here to tell you today that God has given us prophetic words. God brought me to this city. God put us together, Life Church and my family, so that we could see great things happen. And there are ministries that are about to be birthed out of this church, about to be launched out of this church, and great things that are going to happen. But there's got to be a group of people in this assembly that choose to agree that say I believe the word of God I believe it even when the evidence is against it I believe it because God said it I trust the Lord verse number 17 it says but with whom was he grieved 40 years was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness and to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest? In other words, he said, you're not going into the promised land, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Or we could say because of disagreement. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Look at verse 2. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. So it's saying us as the New Testament church have the gospel preached to us just like them in the wilderness had a good report given to them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. The promises that God had given to the children of Israel of moving into the promised land did not benefit them because they didn't mix faith with the word. All right? And when the spies came back with their report of the promised land, they said, yeah, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land with great fruit. Look at these grapes that we brought back. But it's a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and there are great giants there. And the Bible says the people 
did not believe the good report, but they believed the evil report of unbelief. In other words, even though God had promised them the promised land, they disagreed because of the evidence that they saw. And I want to tell you right now, when God gives you a word of faith, you've got to agree with it despite the evidence to the contrary. Because there is power in agreement. The Bible says the message was preached, the good news was given to them, but it didn't profit them because they didn't mix in any faith, because they refused to agree with the report of the Lord. And I want to tell you today, some of you have promises in your life. God's given you promises. You've heard promises. God's spoken to you. And what you have to do is you have to learn to agree with God, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what humanity or the flesh or other people would say. You say, I agree with Him because there is power in agreement. Uh, Let me say it again. God's not looking for someone with talent. God's not looking for your great personality. He doesn't need human capabilities. He needs somebody that will agree with Him. And if you agree with God, God delivered Samaria with a handful of lepers stumbling toward the camp. God turned the sound of their footsteps uh, into the sound of horses and chariots and confounded the enemy. And they got up and ran away. And they walked into an empty camp full of food and full of good things and full of blessings. Uh, You know why? It wasn't because they were great and strong and uh, because they were good with a sword and because they had all the right skills and talents and, and they were armed just the right way and had the right battle maneuvers. It was because they had the power to agree with God. And whenever you agree with God, great things happen because there's power in agreement the question is will they agree or will they argue for their reasons for disagreement the promise is not enough there must be agreement because there's power when we agree God's ready to give revival, but he's looking for someone who will agree. So instead of looking for reasons to disagree, I'm challenging you today. When you hear a word of faith, the Bible says faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So if I'm preaching the way I I should be preaching, while I'm preaching, something should be happening in your spirit. Faith should be knocking at the door. (laughs) When the preacher preaches, faith knocks at the door. When the preacher's preaching, your despair gets nervous because faith starts to knock at the door. Your hopelessness gets nervous because faith begins to knock at the door. And today in Life Church, 380 South Rosemead, Pasadena, California, faith is knocking. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Somebody needs to believe. Somebody needs to believe that God made good on His promises. Somebody needs to believe that revival is coming. Somebody needs to begin to believe that a building is about to be erected. That God's glory is about to be manifest in your family. That things are going to change in your situation. Do I have anybody that will agree? Do I have anybody that will agree when I say God's got a better job for you? Do I have anybody that will agree when I say God's going to meet your needs? Do I have anybody that will agree when I said uh, ah, the creditors aren't going to take you? Do I have anybody that will agree with the Word of God? Hallelujah. The promises is powerful, but the promises are activated by agreement. If you want to stay sick, stay sick if you want to. If you want to be depressed, stay depressed if you want to. You have the power to make that choice. But if you want to get up out of your depression, you get a promise from God from the Word that says He's the lifter of my head, and I want you to agree with the promise of the Word of God. If you want to think you're fighting this battle on your own, go ahead and believe that. But there's a promise in the Word of God that says He will never leave you nor forsake you. Agree with the Word. I agree. I agree. But see, guess what? The gospel message today is you can be filled with the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will change your life forever. 
The Holy Ghost will change your mind. It'll change your priorities. It'll change your appetites. There's a lot of people that sit in church. They say, I can never live for God. I can never do it. Well, I agree with you because without the Holy Ghost, you can't. None of us can. You know why? Because our, our, our minds, which are uh, connected to our flesh, is contrary to the will of God and to the commandments of God. We can't be subject to the law of God. It's impossible without the Holy Ghost. But when the Holy Ghost begins to work, everything changes. The good news came to Mary. Mary, you're going to have a baby. And this baby is going to be anointed. This baby is going to change his world. This baby is going to be the most important baby ever born. She said, how can this happen? I've never known a man. Never been intimate with a man. How can I become pregnant? I know enough about the birds and the beasts to know that don't work. God, how's it going to happen? God says, through the angel... The Holy Ghost. Yeah. I want to tell you today that God can take that craving for cigarettes out of your spirit. But I tried this program. I tried that means. I tried this and I tried that. How's it going to work? Come on. God can deliver you from alcohol. God can deliver you from sexual sins and pornography. Well, how, how does that happen? Let me tell you, it's a simple answer. It's a stock answer, but it's the real answer, and it's an answer that works. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the only thing that has the power to change your way of thinking. You say, well, I'm going to try to use my willpower to change the way I look at things in life. You can have a limited amount of success, but what you're doing if you use your willpower to try to change things is basically saying, Jesus, you wasted your time on the cross. Because you're saying, I'm going to do it through the flesh. I'm going to do it through my power. But Jesus said, in essence, through going to the cross that I've observed Humanity long enough, about 6,000 years, uh, 4,000 years, and one thing's for sure, one thing's beyond question, is that you can't operate and live in victory through the flesh. You might have a limited amount of success for a little while, but it takes the power of the Holy Ghost. And here's what happens. I'm going to keep preaching this over and over and over and over again because the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. It's a change that happens. You become a brand new creature, a brand new person. And guess what? It doesn't take six years or six months or even six weeks. You can come into the presence of the Lord and the Holy Spirit can come upon you and it can change you and make you a new creature. Do I have a witness in the house? See, when the angel appeared to Zacharias and said, you're going to have a child. This child's going to be significant. He's going to be the forerunner. Of Christ, so this is going to be your. Uh, this is your good report. This is your good news, and and you shall call his name John. And uh, Zacharias said, um, "I don't believe this is going to happen because I'm too old. My wife's too old." And the angel says, "Zip it!" So some of us need to practice. Man, we're so good at coming up with all the reasons why it can't happen, aren't we? That's human nature. We're so good at disagreeing. But God said, I'm not going to let you, Zacharias, steal this promise from Elizabeth. So I'm going to zip it up. Amen. Sometimes I wish the angel could operate that in, like that in some people's lives, don't you? God's got a word for you. Don't argue with it. God's got a promise for you. Don't argue with it. Come on. Don't let negativity steal the promise from you. Hallelujah. Some of you need to be rewired. Brother Steve, you're an electrician. I don't know if you can rewire people, but some people are wired negative. 
And you know what? That negative wiring keeps you from God's blessings and God's promises because it causes you to disagree with God. But I'm telling you right now, listen to this preacher right now. If you want God's favor and blessing in your life, begin to agree with God. Begin to agree with God. God's going to enable you. God's going to empower you. God's going to make it possible. God's going to make it happen. You say, preacher, tell me how. I don't need to give you the details. All I need to say is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. How am I going to get a job? The Holy Ghost. How am I going to hold it together? The Holy Ghost. How am I going to keep my head up? The Holy Oh, God. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Somebody, it's all over me and it's keeping me alive. It's down in my hands. It's down in my feet. It's all over me. Holy Ghost. Woo. Let's stand to our feet and praise Him right now. Come on, somebody. Will you agree with me right now? Hallelujah. The angel appears to Mary. Thou art highly favored above all women, Mary. You're going to have a child. How shall this be? The Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And, and, and that's just an interesting point right there. Some people believe the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate persons. And I say, well, who's the Father, the Father of? They say, Jesus. But I say, look at this verse. It says the Holy Spirit is the one that made Mary pregnant. So the Holy Spirit is the Father of Jesus. Who's the Father then? The Father is the way we refer to the one God in operation in the Old Testament who shows himself moving among men as the Holy Spirit and was manifest in the man Christ Jesus is one God. Hallelujah. One God. One God. One God. One God. Jesus is his name. How shall this be? The Holy Spirit shall overshadow you. That which is born shall be ordained and anointed of God. And what's Mary's response? I love it. Be it unto me, even as ye have said. I don't understand it. I know it may bring a lot of stares. It may ruin my reputation. Come on now. It may bring me persecution. But be it unto me. Jesus, I agree. She said, Father, I agree. And that's all God's looking for. A lot of people worship Mary. Oh, this special person. Mary was just another girl. But she was a girl who would agree with the Word of God. And I I want to talk to somebody right now, and I want to share with you that God wants to fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And when you get the Holy Ghost, the first sign will be, you say, how will I know that I received it? Well, we, we uh, look into the New Testament church, and when they received the Holy Ghost, the Bible says that they began to speak with other tongues, and they would give glory to God. And so, this is the first sign of receiving the Holy Ghost. Some people say, well, you Pentecostals have people seeking for tongues. We're not seeking for tongues. We're seeking for the Holy Spirit. And the tongues is the first evidence that it's happened. But guess what? That's not the only evidence. Can I get a witness? That's not the only evidence. That's the first evidence. But then after that, as the old song says, makes me want to love everybody. Makes me want to love everybody. Makes me want to love everybody. And it's good enough for me changes the whole way I look at life the places I used to go I don't want to go anymore the things I used to do I don't want to do anymore because the old man has died and there's a new man living in those shoes that old man that used to beat up on his kids that old man that used to drink up the paycheck that old man that used to gamble up the paycheck is not here anymore there's a new man I may look the same way you may be able to recognize my face but I'm not the person that I used to be how did that happen the Holy Ghost the Holy Ghost. So the good news today is if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you've never spoken in tongues as the initial evidence that the Spirit of God has 
made residence in your life and is going to begin to change your mind and change you from the inside out. That can happen today. You can receive the baptism. Are you looking at me, listening to me? You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what language is your original language or what color you are. If you're a human and you're breathing, I've got a promise for you today. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And you'll begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. Well, how do I get it, preacher? Have you been listening to me for the last 45 minutes? It's real easy. All you got to do is agree with the Word of God. The Bible said this promise is unto you and to your children. As many as are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. If you're here today and you feel God's presence, is because God is calling you. And all you have to do is say, if it's for me, I want it. If it's for me, I'm going to have it. I'll receive it. And if you agree with the Word of God, you can receive the Holy Ghost today so here's what i want to do here's what i'd like to do i'd like to invite anybody that would like to receive the baptism of the holy ghost with this evidence of speaking in tongues or somebody who needs a good old-fashioned what we call refilling of the holy ghost that means you received the holy ghost before you spoke in tongues you felt god's presence but in your heart you know I need to get back in line with God. I need to start walking with Him again. I need to get back in agreement with Him. And you don't do it just by hearing a good sermon. Because hearing a good sermon is not enough. You've got to agree with the Word of God. And you can agree with the Word of God right now by stepping out of where you are and coming up to the front. Is there anybody that wants to receive what God has for you today? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Anybody want the Holy Ghost? Anybody want the Holy Ghost? Anybody want a fresh baptism of the Spirit of God? Come on, that's it. Come on, that's it. Beautiful. Come on up here. We got some people that will agree with these right now. Come on, in Jesus' name. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Anybody else? Say, I want to receive that experience for myself. Come right up here to the front and disagree with me right now. In the name of the Lord. We have three already that want to be baptized today or refilled with the Holy Ghost. And there's some others that are going to come in and be filled in in this place. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Now I want you to come up if, if God's given you a word and God's spoken to you. And because of the circumstances, because of things that happen... You have to admit that you haven't been in agreement with God, but you want to agree with Him today. Come on up. I want you to come up next. You want to agree with the Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. That's it. Hallelujah. Come on up here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm not going to beg you, but come on. I beseech you. How about that? I beseech you. (laughs) Hallelujah. It's going to be a good day today. We've got somebody being water baptized in Jesus' name. And I believe we have some people that are going to be baptized with the Spirit or rebaptized with the Spirit in this house today. Hallelujah. All across this place, I want you to lift up your hands and begin to praise God. I need some Spirit-filled people to help me pray with these that want to be baptized or rebaptized with the Spirit. Receive the Holy Ghost.
Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to pause just for a moment. We're going to baptize Sister Elvira in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of her sins. And then we're going to party with her a little bit. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices over one person that comes to repentance. Do you know why heaven has a party? Because somebody said, I agree. And heaven knows the power of agreement. 
When somebody says, I want to live for God, I want to walk with Him, I want His anointing on my life, then His favor and blessing comes. In the name of the Lord. I'm going to let Brother Donnie take it from here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So today we're going to baptize Alvita Minch. And what an awesome opportunity we have to, to baptize her. So, but before we baptize her, let's just all join together and pray for her. Amen. I just expect great things from her. God's going to use her. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your awesome love. We thank you for your grace, God. God, we pray tonight, Lord Jesus, this afternoon, Jesus, that you minister, God, to our sister, God. God, use her for your glory, God. God, just use her and her family, God, in Jesus' name, God. Thank you today, God, that her name is going to be written in the book of life, God. In Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for that awesome opportunity, God. We thank you for your many blessings, God, and your grace, God. God, so let her light shine for you, God. Use her, Lord Jesus, we pray, God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. That you repented of your sins and that God has already filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins. I've got the Holy Ghost down in my soul. in the fall in terms of revival. How many people do you believe that could, we could see baptized in Jesus' name before Christmas? Anybody believe in faith that we can see people baptized before Christmas? Fifty? What about spirit baptized? Fifty? Seventy-five baptized in the Holy Ghost? Fifty baptized in water? But more ready to be baptized in water? 
in Jesus' name. Anybody agree? Hallelujah. God's able. There's plenty of people that need it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, then. All right, then.